0: Welcome to Framerate, our Patreon only film discussion uh, podcast. And here we are today talking about a film that we, Patrick and I, have both recently seen. It is actually available on demand now. You can rent it for $20. What Isn't is cheap? up with that? I am sorry. <laughs> I don't but know. That is, and they're all, yeah. all
1: of the like, the Warner Brothers films that have been put out in the sort they're of They're trying to like recoup their money. That's how, much you pay
0: with, that's how much you'd pay for tickets, essentially, ish.
1: I, that's a lot more than I pay for. For one movie ticket out here, yeah, 20 bucks, it, it's, that's, that's, it's that's ridiculous. a lot of money. And that's no concession. That's, that's,
0: that's the price of the movie. You you could download it and buy it for that much digitally. Yeah, right, um, right,
1: exactly. But also, but, and, and also, and, it's not even a theater. So you're not even getting the experience of going to the theater or getting concessions yeah. or anything. You're just like getting a fucking streaming movie at home that has already yeah. been out for a month and a half or yeah. whatever. You know what I mean? At it's least, like, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. nobody's going to do that shit. They got to they all over that price.
0: So what movie are we talking about, everyone? We are talking about... The Invisible Man, starring Elizabeth Moss and directed by Lee Wannell, um, who is responsible for the Conjuring films and sort of the, the, the Jason Blum-produced horror empire that's As out
1: well there. as co-writing uh, Saw yes a couple of indeed yeah
0: indeed indeed yeah and the first saw was pretty great actually um so we decided we wanted to get together uh dan could not join us he has not seen the film um but we <laughs> me and patrick felt really felt strongly that we wanted to talk about it
1: we could the plan had been for dan to go see it but because of the situation we are all in right now with this this pandemic which which i'm sure dep- depending on where in the month this comes out who knows how it'll sound but but for context you know we're recording this sort of in the transition to late March from mid March. And it's a very intense time uh, pandemic wise in the United States. So theaters are closed for the most part um, in most of the urban areas of the country where the three of us live. And, uh, and uh, this streaming at home option is the only way to see it. But Dan was like, I'm not going to pay $20
0: to see this movie. Yeah, I don't blame him. And I don't I thought, blame him. I, at I all. thought that was like a purchase choice. It's ridiculous. It's like, a one-time yes, rental viewing. Yeah. Like crazy. Like let's make this movie for free for, for, viewing on demand but let's charge a fucking arm and a leg come on it's come ridiculous. on it's
1: absolutely ridiculous but it also it goes is... to show you the machinations of studio pricing and yeah. all of the hidden things we don't know about about how much it actually costs. i mean we're getting an interesting window into what distributors actually charge movies to show things you know and mm-hmm, why mm-hmm. concession prices are so high membership up prices are so high it's because like they're, yeah. they're not cheap it costs yeah. a lot of money to get the rights to show something and we're kind of getting a little taste of that but i do have to say if you are at home listening to this, and you are wondering should I or should I not, I think you should. I think this movie is absolutely terrific, and oh, I think it's if it's down fantastic. to this, if it's down to this or the Hunt or Emma or whatever the other you know twenty dollar streaming options are right now, go with the Invisible Man because I think it's just an extraordinary film, and it is such a testament to what Lee want. It, so it's not Wanell, it's Wanell.
0: I don't know. It might I don't, be
1: Winnell. I In my head, I always say Winnell, but I don't know. Somebody listening to this is gonna is gonna give us. He's hate
0: Australian, mail. so who know I don't. I mean, who knows what that last name we'll is? We'll say it's I don't
1: Kangaroo even... Lee. Kangaroo. Yeah. Uh, it just, it's such a testament to what an underrated filmmaker he is. Although I feel like that's definitely shifting. I feel like people are getting sort of like a, he's, it. He reminds me a little bit of Craig Mazin in that regard. You know, Craig Mazin was somebody who. Was around Hollywood forever, did a lot of really, you know, kind of like solid worksmanship stuff. You know, he worked on like the scary movie, you know, franchise and like was a a valued rewriter, somebody who would be brought in to kind of clean something up, who just kind of understood how to make a movie, but nobody really gave two shits about him. And then he does Chernobyl. (laughs) It's like, oh, okay, I guess that was out there, you know. I feel like uh, like Lee Wanell reminds me a little bit of that. And that he's kind of been here on the periphery. You know, he's been working mm-hmm. with James Wan. He's been working with other filmmakers.
0: He's been an actor. He was an actor, an actor in The First Conjuring. Or the was it The First Conjuring? On oh, The First Saw, yes. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, and then uh, he, he was the other guy in the room in The First Saw movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all of a sudden he comes along and like gets the ability to make movies on his, his own terms. And he does Upgrade, which was awesome. And he oh, does yeah. The Invisible Man, which... Totally blew me absolutely out of the water. I could not get over how yep. good this movie was.
0: Yep, it, it. I think it won the box office a couple of weeks in a row. It something did, like and that. it was
1: not projected to at all. It was projected no, to make no. like twenty four million in its opening weekend, and it made almost ten million opening night. And they were like, "Oh man, we got to rewrite what we think this movie's going to make." And before they pulled it from theaters, I actually looked this up because I was curious about it. Yeah, it's it's currently at one hundred twenty three million box office.
0: That's is that domestic.
1: Um, it's a very good question. I don't
0: know. I bet it's domestic.
1: You think it made more than that?
0: Oh yeah, uh, yeah. internationally, absolutely. Um, interestingly enough, before we start, go, before we get into the conversation about the film itself, this film is Universal re-engineering. It's, it's, it's
1: worldwide, it's 120, 123 worldwide. Oh,
0: oh, okay, okay. Um, so. The Invisible Man is Universal reengineering their Dark Universe stories. What Universal was going to do, or they had tr- started to do, was to bring back their Dark Universe, which is the Mummy, the Invisible Man, Frankenstein, Dracula, all of the Wolfman, and there were a few iterations. All of those movies flopped. They all flopped, and Universal was there a few decided or was it just the Mummy. There was the mummy. There was Dracula with um. Oh, the well, the, well they Evans. they retroactively not Luke Evans, yeah,
1: yeah, Luke Evans. So, so that was not originally part of it, and then they they retconned it to be part of the Dark Universe. But that that was that was a that was a retcon. It was really only the, oh. the, the mummy was the big pilot for this thing. Which yeah. on paper, I mean, what better franchise opportunity is there? The Universal Monsters are some of the most beloved cultural icons in the world. Like mm-hmm. they defined a lot of the earlier part of the 20th century cinematic landscape. They're part of global popular culture the the stories are fucking brilliant and that's why they they you know are so evergreen and then you have this like complete ass shit of a movie coming out a few years ago starring Tom Cruise and it just it just single handedly destroyed the concept which is crazy although The Invisible Man I think goes towards yeah well, it back.
0: oh oh yeah and with the problem with the Tom Cruise film and even Universal themselves has have made some public concession saying, yeah, we got this wrong, is that instead of having storytellers tell a story, they try to t- essentially do what we've talked about in the Alien franchise is have a studio throw together a movie and then put a star. With Tom Cruise, you don't get a movie, you get a star that they build a movie around. And that's problematic. It's problematic even though his Mission Impossible films are really successful. They're not about the team. Like Mission Impossible, the, the, the series was known as a team of people working towards one thing. The movies are one guy and some hit his helpers. That's not what Mission Impossible was ever about, but that's what it's become about. So the Mummy film was just dog shit. It was just laughable. It was so cringe and so terrible. Like I I saw it cuz I'm like, no, I I'm interested in this. Like I like Universal's IP. I like the idea of a scary mummy film. The trailer was interesting and then I watched it and I was like, how is this, this thing this terrible? How is it this bad? So I digress or progress. Universal took a step back. They asked who was interested. Jason, Jason Blum said he was interested and they put a film together shot relatively cheaply and it made a bunch of money. I, th- I think it made its budget back. I think it was made for like 35 or 40 million no, or less than that or something nothing. like that.
1: Yeah, Hang on. I, I saw that page yeah. uh, handy. Let me see what it was actually made for. Budget was $7 million, Jamie Prater. No, $7 million production budget.
0: Wow. So and it's they've currently at almost at a hundred million. More.
1: Oh, yeah. They've destroyed that. That's Talk great. about that's, And, and that is in the midst of a, an emerging global pandemic. <laughs> that is absolutely crazy. Yeah. So we saw, you know, this was a movie that I was waiting to see. Like, uh, so, you know, we we had discussed this earlier. I thought the trailer was absolute garbage for this movie. I saw it every time I saw 1917 in theaters, which was quite a few times because I love that movie. Every time I saw it, this was one of the trailers that would play and Every time I would kind of poke fun at it because I felt like the trailer just showed the whole entire story every single time. And I was like, why would anybody go see this? The whole thing is totally revealed, including a lot of the scare sequences. I do have to say, although the story... Was quite different from what the trailer led me to believe. There were a, mm-hmm. a, enough of the scares kind of spoiled that I felt like I, I you know, like I'd already kind of seen them in
0: the movie. Was and happening. spoiler alert: we are going to be talking about a few things. So we recommend. I know this is kind of hard because the movie isn't in theater. It is ready, readily available for anyone to see. Again, you're paying twenty dollars. So any
1: millionaire who's interested in seeing it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anybody who's not been fired or furloughed or, furloughed. or let go yeah. from their jobs. <laughs> Uh, who doesn't, you know, who has to use $20 to buy food and toilet paper. Um, yeah. Uh, but yet yeah, the movie is totally worth seeing. Maybe if a bunch of people want to get together. That's and a good idea. Pe- people well, who are already though, quarantined. You you- <laughs> no, I know. But like people who are already in their house together already. Right. If you guys want to throw in maybe five bucks and watch it, it's totally worth it. But what I loved about, um, so the Invisible Man stars Elizabeth, Elizabeth Moss and she, it opens up with her escaping a house and she lives with this man who looks like he's, you know, a rich billionaire and he's into, um, a lot of scientific things, a lot of, um, uh, what's the word for that? What's, optics. what is he into a lot of high tech, high tech stuff, optics. Okay. Right, right. And she escapes him and it's really traumatic and she's, you know, it's a very interesting sequence in the beginning. And essentially the movie plays off of this idea that she's being gaslit by this man, um, who wants her in his life. Um, He who wants her in his life so bad that he would kill her to have her back. That's what, um, so that that's what really what the story around is really this woman trying to escape and it's not also, it's not a damsel in distress. Um, at first she's being gaslit for a long time and she's like, what's going on? And of course nobody believes her, which is really interesting because when people start talking about abuse or, or things that are happening in their lives, what are they met with a lot of times from the public or the, speculation and uh okay whatever whatever you say um so it's very very the script is really smart it's really smart it's really fresh uh the starring role played by elizabeth moss she's just phenomenal incredible um, which it, what's interesting is that the lead or not the lead but the invisible man is played by nobody i've never seen that guy before oh, you i don't have. know who, haunting who? Of hill house. Of the, who was he in the haunting of hill house he's the brother with the drug problem really yeah, bitch. I don't remember I, I don't remember. It's been a long time since I've seen that show. That's a good show. Uh, hey, that
1: is a great show. We should probably add that. Um but no, he was it's, uh oh, what's his fucking name? Um Peter and the Haunting of Hill House. Interesting. Yeah, and I thought he okay. was absolutely incredible in that, as, as in this too. But you know what I want to say is is the reason why it doesn't feel like a damsel in distress movie is because well, a, I mean, it's not. But also, well, it's not. But it's not. But but b, it, the real reason is because it's her story. Like the yep. the Invisible Man, Adrian Griffin, is like not the point of this movie at all mm-hmm. in any in any real way. It is her experience. We see it through her eyes. We experience it alongside her. We never have any doubt. Something that I love about this. Is that I feel like in a lot of these movies that where a character is being gaslit, we're kind of the the filmmaker likes to give us this little kind of twist where it's like, wait a minute, like, is this an unreliable narrator? Like, are we are we crazy, Mm -hmm. too? Like, did we miss Mm -hmm. something Mm -hmm. there? There's never any doubt about whether or not she knows what she's doing.
0: Although there I felt like there was a point that I felt like. Is he really following her at this point? I wasn't sure. I wasn't really? sure at, at one early early point, and then of course he is following her. But what I love about this movie so much because I love psychological horror: this man is present, and you do not know where he is. Yeah. She can feel it, she knows it, but you don't. And that one scene where he she's looking down the ladder, and he's right there, and she throws yeah. the bucket. Oh, that, that part! Was I fucking terrifying. jumped out of my seat that on was that moment. Terrifying. Although it's it also in just the
1: just... trailer, so that fucking doesn't no, help it's anybody. No, not. Yes, it is in the trailer.
0: I don't remember seeing that in the trailer. It is in the trailer. I saw that trailer several times. I'll have to look again. Um, But the movie is just really, really well crafted. And again, it's really smart. And um, one interesting uh, factoid about the film is that when the director wrote it and he hired Elizabeth Moss to be the star. My dog is scratching at the door. Hold on one second. Mona, go lay down. (laughs) Go lay down. Just go lay down. Yeah, Stop so it. She's so cute.
1: Is um, that her little closet? Um, <laughs> um,
0: so when he wrote the film, of course, the star is a woman. And he, he asked Elizabeth Moss, can you read the script and let me know? Because I've written I've, – I I wrote this character as a woman. I need to know if I'm being true. Is this true? Would you do this as a woman? Would you feel this way? And so he took Elizabeth Moss through the script and she altered some stuff with him to make it more authentic and I think that, mm. that that was really brilliant and I you know me I I have a hard time with men what writing Female characters oftentimes they're one note or they're damsel in distress or they think a strong woman has a gun Which is part of some of my problem not problem But I've issue with some of fandom because they people think Ripley's badass because she cold holds a gun That's not why Ripley is badass and in invisible man Elizabeth Moss is badass because of who she is not because of what she does or Actions that she takes, but because she has strength of 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 her of her own knowledge, she has agency, and her agency is powerful. But it takes her a while to get there. It takes her a while to overcome her fear. Mm-hmm. She's. Lost in her fear for a long, 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 long time,
1: and in a long time uh, within the context of the movie, which is important, I want to talk about pacing for a second. So, the, I, I will to go back to what we were talking about before about whether or not like we kind of believe her as the audience, or whether or not we feel like we're being gaslit ourselves. The mm-hmm. I, I think that the, I, I had I I did go back and forth a little bit on that until she found the diazepam bottle in her apartment or in in mm-hmm. uh, aldis's apartment. Then I was like, uh, or was it all is Aldus the name of the actor or the name of the character? I don't remember. I don't remember. Anyway, but 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 the the cops and and when he's you know staying with with uh, with with his, in his house, uh, and and she finds an asthma bottle and it's got the blood on it, and then it's like very then she knows that this is like clearly happening. After that, from the from that to the end of the movie, like there's no doubt. That we're just in her shoes with her experience. We believe her. We trust her. We're not fucking you know mansplaining shit to her. It feels very genuine in that regard. So that's important, and it's mm-hmm. very early. That's like 20 minutes into the movie. But then uh, all the way through. She does not get that resolve until like very close to the end of the movie. For most of the film, she's dealing with this like absolute fear and this this complete feeling of like, I don't even I can't even get my head around what's going on. I don't know how to deal with it, although she understands what's going on and she's insisting on it. She herself is still trying to figure out like how this could possibly be be dealt with. She's not sleeping well. She's afraid. She's not like suddenly superhuman. But then when she gets it, when she figures out how she can, you know, get back at him, when she figures out how she how she can entrap him, that's not until the end of the movie, basically. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that to me feels way more genuine than having this character who was like just a you know a skilled architect and uh, a smart woman like have her like not all of a sudden become this fucking secret agent you know with gunplay and doing backflips and shit like she's really like unequipped to deal with this and then she Mm -hmm. finds that resolve and just like Ripley finds her resolve in Alien it's not like when Alien Mm -hmm. begins you know Ripley is this you know incredibly you know perfect you know, machine of war or something like she's never that she never, she never is. Right. But she, but she doesn't, she, she eventually is able to handle herself. But but in the beginning of alien, like that's not something she can't like, she has to get there. You know what I mean? And I think a lot of the time, and I think you're right. I think part of this is a, is a problem when men write female characters, but I think even writing male characters too, I think a lot of the time you have this, this believability gap that forms where a character is presented with extraordinary circumstances and just because they're the protagonist it's like somehow okay for them to be able to do everything flawlessly you know um and i love that she doesn't i love that like some of her like techniques don't work i love that she gets snuck up on and i love that that allows us to be really afraid and and i'd want to you know before we close out mention i feel like some of the set pieces in this are just like unforgettably tense one of them, I think, is that attic staircase moment, which I just, I just think yes. is just extraordinary, and it's one of, one of the only jump scares in the whole movie. And that is another thing too, right? I feel like this is in the in the tradition of the best horror films. Although this is maybe more of a thriller than a horror, but it's kind of on that line. I feel like mm-hmm. the best films in that genre are the films where. You're psychologically afraid and you're very deeply emotionally invested in this and on the edge of your seat the whole time so that when something does startle you, it feels like it wasn't cheap. It feels like earned. And when she throws mm-hmm. the paint on him on the staircase, I was like – I jumped in my seat and I was like, fuck yeah, that was so good. That yeah. was like – yeah. was the, and in no small part due to Ben Walfish's extraordinary music once again. Oh, the score is Which fantastic. was fucking ravishing. Um, and just so beautifully written, like all of his music is, and we will be hopefully talking to him very soon, um, for
0: shoulder. You know Red. what I love too, in terms yeah. of psychological scares where she's in her cell after she's been like, she's this deemed a murderer and crazy. They take her to her cell and she's like, there's somebody in this room with me and he's sitting right there. Like that was scary just to even repeat those lines to me. And again, something sort of more subtext. This woman is telling these people, I'm experiencing something I can't explain to you, but I'm experiencing it. And everyone, her friends, her truest friends and family are like, yeah, I think you're kind of crazy. And it really – and I don't want to get too – because we're about to wrap this, but I don't want to get too deep into it, but – the people who come forward with stories of abuse are met with that all the time. Yeah. I'm not really sure. Um, uh, are you sure? Are you sure that that happened? Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm I'm sorry. And they look at you like you're a little bit crazy and you're explaining you're saying something that happened to you, um, by someone that they know that they haven't ever seen that side of them before. And you're asking them to believe you. You're asking them to do the impossible and to believe you. And a lot of people are met with speculation and doubt. And, um, It's, it's a rough thing to go through as someone who went through that myself. Um, so I really thought it was a really powerful way to tell this story, um, in a meta way and in a literal way as well. Um, this man was not just invisible physically, what he was doing to her was invisible to everyone else too. They only had her word to go on. Um, this successful billionaire who's done all of this great work in the world. This woman is saying, no, he's a monster. Physically, literally, psychologically, and she's asking everyone to believe that. And everyone's saying, I don't know. Nobody wants to. Nobody wants Nobody to, wants to. Yeah. because when the when you hear the truth you you are then you have two choices. You will you can either um, do what it asks of you because the term the truth commands a response or you can deny it.
1: And so. and and because we buy in so much to what we think, and because we we have so much ownership in what we assume the world to be like, you know, I mean that's why Bill Cosby got away with it for so long. That that's, that's oh, that for right? sure. it's a great example of that, right? Or even fucking Harvey Weinstein, like all of these men who get away with this atrocious, monstrous act. For so long, for decades and decades and decades, they get by because so many people said, oh, that, that, that doesn't make sense. That, that can't be true. And when they do that, though, it's almost never in this aggressive, you know, a lot of the time in, in film and television, when they try to show, for example, a victim of, of sexual abuse speaking out about something, they show people kind of like being like, no, like, sit down. You don't know what you're talking about. But usually mm-hmm. that's not the case. Usually it's a lot of people trying to comfort you by telling you basically that you don't know what you're talking about. But being like, listen, like, you know, I love you and I and I'm I'm here for you. But like... We'll we'll talk about this another time. And in most of the movies, see the lead character. That's how people deal with her, right? At first, that's how her sister deals with her. That's how, uh, you know, her uh, sister's ex-husband deals with her. That people are very caring about her. They're kind of trying to, like, help her along. But they are not taking her seriously. They are not, yeah. you know, at all. Yeah. It's not even a question. Yeah. But, the, but they care about her. They're, you know, she's not this pariah to them. Yeah, and they until, know something's
0: wrong. And they right. might think something's wrong up here in her head. Right. But they definitely like, oh, no. We were here for you, but they're just sort of doubting the mechanism that's causing that. Right. I, I think what's funny is I've told you a story and Dan of something that very unbelievable that I'm not going to share here that happened to me. And uh, it's interesting what people can allow themselves to believe or not. It just, it really is. I mean, and there are all sorts of stories like that in the world where unbelievable things happen to people or great things, maybe not to the extent of what I experienced. You're but...
1: not going to tell people what you're talking about?
0: I'm not telling people. At least not right now. Okay. Nope.
1: It's nothing Anyways. bad, people. It, this, we're we're, no, we're no, not no, not, no. not believing Jamie because something bad happened. This is this is something No, I don't know if they don't not
0: believe me. I think they believe that I believe it. That's, that's how that's... I say it, yeah.
1: But this, this neither here nor there. <laughs> I, I do want to go back really quick. I feel like... I love what you said. I think you said it so beautifully. There's nothing to add to that about the subtext. But other than to say that, to me, that was part of why this movie is so beautifully done is because that subtext is so clear the whole time, and yet it never becomes the focus of the movie. It never becomes some sort of like a... It never becomes a movie that's just like about victims of abuse or about men controlling women. Although those things are are suffusing it everywhere, and you can't go there and not take that away from it. But it's about this woman. It's the story of this woman's experience, right? Yeah. And 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 we and but there is no question about the greater goal of the movie, which is to illuminate this whole secondary thing about how we treat women in this society and about how we treat whistleblowers and how we treat people who have been wronged who are trying to be honest about it. And I love the idea that Adrian Griffin, who just Super briefly in, in the original, you know, the HG Wells novel and in the, in the original universal pictures, like he, he's not a bad person. He becomes a bad person by a result yes. of this, but right. But yes. he's, he's, he's like, you know, altruistic and a great scientist. And then, cause he can't reverse the invisibility process basically goes nuts um, and becomes evil. Right. Cause he, cause he can get away yeah. with doing evil things cause nobody can see him. Um, and he stops trying to like lie by wrapping himself up, you know, like he basically just it just becomes okay with this idea that he's no longer human kind of in a doctor manhattan kind of a way uh i feel like in um in this movie what i love is that like he is is evil in the exact way that most serial killers are evil which is that like most spousal abuse Most serial murder, most of these things come about not because people have a bloodlust or because people just get off on violence. It comes about because some people need to control things so violently that they will do whatever it takes to enact that control in the world. And if that control is taken from them in one part of their life, they will go wild to try to get it in some other part of their life. A lot of serial killers start because they're abused as kids or because they're, you know, shunned by their peers or something they feel like they don't have any control over themselves they don't have any ability to like make their mark on the world And they say oh but i can by controlling somebody so much that i can actually kill them i can get a little bit of control and that could be my that could be me getting mm-hmm. my way and then you know and then it spirals out of control from there and what i love yeah. is that this character was so believable because he wasn't some sneering lunatic he was kind of sympathetic in a fucked up way You you can kind of understand why you can't understand why he did what he did, obviously, but you can he, you can understand that he was a human. You can see him as somebody who probably wasn't always to that level, who probably, if things had happened differently to him earlier in his life, maybe he would have not been, you know, this fucking monstrous person that he became.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, what I think is interesting though, is the scene where, and again, this is a spoiler show. Um, the yeah, scene where point, they, I feel like they, people hopefully get, yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, if they, when they find him in the basement, in that, like in that, con- right. Like, where yeah. right away, right away. Elizabeth Moss's character. She knows it's, Oh no. He I is and they're that. like, "Oh, no, right away, people come to his defense. Oh, no, he's a victim too. that wasn't really wasn't him. right away, they believe him. Yeah. right away they believe his story. We're all along, even though these crazy things were happening for her. no one was believing her story. Right. but he shows up a man bound only in his boxers in you know, in a little corner in the basement. Oh, I'm so it's me, you know they 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 believed his story right away, and I thought that was very, very interesting and it, it's very similar in um society where typically if a man comes forward about sexual abuse he's believed far faster than women are because oh a man's saying it and a man would never talk about this type of thing what's he what does he have to gain from it it must be embarrassing for him to say that right yeah Yeah. like
1: it's so fucking one-sided it's absolutely absurd and i and i love as we close uh the reason why people listen to this, the reason why we keep saying as we close is because we're really trying to keep ourselves to like make these a half hour long, but we keep yep. going like an hour and a half. So we're really trying to be on this. Just So, yep. so as we close, uh, what I love so much is in the final sequence at the dinner at his house, I feel like that is just played by both actors so exquisitely well because yep. Yep. watching it you feel, because of the social cues and because of how we're acculturated, you feel sorry for him. You feel like, even though you know that you have no reason to, and even though you feel like this is ridiculous, you because you're getting these like emotional cues from his character, you're feeling this like, oh, should I should I feel should I should I you know maybe he really did change and the whole time Elizabeth Moss is like fucking no there's absolutely no way and you and you're realizing yeah like I'm I'm becoming a party to this again I need to back mm-hmm. the fuck up and let her do her yeah. thing and then when she yeah. does her thing it is scary like she is so it good is scary at it, it's fucking killing what's interesting
0: know? is she's she's gone back into the lion's den to Mona that's enough that's enough she's gone back that's into the, the lion's, lion's den to the to the place where it happened to Reverse the role so it's everyone check exquisite. it out invisible exquisite, man no. starring elizabeth moss directed by Lee Wannell or Wannell or Wannell or whatever um, Really really great. It is on uh, Video on demand right now for for $20 per rental. Uh, hopefully it becomes available for sale for soon cuz I'll buy it for sure Oh, I will buy that. definitely in go in a heartbeat. See it. And also pick up the oh, soundtrack.
1: it's available uh, on streaming yep. platforms and, and Benjamin Wallfish. I, I like I really feel like He's obviously not like underrated among us but but I feel like in the general public, people still don't, he's not like a name people recognize, which is just criminal, mm-hmm. and I really feel like, obviously if you're listening to this show, you probably are familiar with his work for 2049, that goes that sells itself, you don't have to even get into that but I, I really feel like the music to it to both chapter one and chapter two is just extraordinarily good, and for me yes. that, that was when I was like, oh my god, this guy is not just sort of this like one hit, you know, like he's really a genuinely gifted composer and this this yep. music in this film is on the level of that, motivically there's a lot going on uh, he's, he's like, has all these really great little descending figures that start um outlining a scale as they come together and in the same way that like you know as the light hits the objects you can see it outlining the what it actually looks like in space it's just very physical music very geometric music it's very beautifully written and it's very melodic yes. and a very kind of sort yeah of, kind it of is i love it way.
0: there's it's a great. big saw um easter egg in this film i don't know if you saw it but i did um huge easter egg that is if it's in a flash, but you see Are you talking it, about um, when they find as... his body? No, 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 oh, no, no, no. Okay. You see, you see an image of the clown guy. A What's jigsaw? his name? Yes, you see it. It's 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 like drawn on a gate, and that Ooh. gate is somewhere. Yeah, yeah. It's very interesting. <laughs> Anyways, check it to out. Be continued. People. This, we'll probably talk to about it. more because This is fucking yeah, great. maybe once Dan sees it, we'll talk about it again yeah. a little bit longer. So. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you soon.
1: Stay safe. Bye.